All right, it's time for us to get started tonight, if we can, please. We want to begin by welcoming each of you to our services on this uh, rather warm uh, Wednesday afternoon. And uh, we're excited that you're here tonight. And if you are our guest tonight, we're honored to have you especially. And we hope that uh, you'll find that you'll receive a warm welcome here and you'll want to come back and be with us anytime uh, that you can. I do want to remind everyone, if you can, get one of the bulletins as you uh, leave tonight. If you haven't already picked up one, you'll find an updated list on the sick. And we certainly want to remember all those that are sick in our prayers and do what we can to encourage them and uh, pray for them. As far as activities that are going on, our teens are going to escape, uh, which is a fall retreat, October 8th through the 10th, and that cost is $25. <laughs> Also, there's a Lads to Leaders kickoff this coming Sunday night in the Annex following our classes. Uh, pizza and drinks are going to be provided, and uh, the families are encouraged to bring desserts. And so if this is something that maybe you haven't participated in, but you want to check into it, I would recommend that you come Sunday night. I think this is an outstanding program uh, that you would want to be involved in, especially if you have children and grandchildren. So uh, plan to be there on Sunday night to, to check things out. Also, the Golden Circle has some activities that are going on. Uh, there's going to be a breakfast uh, together at the pit stop this coming Monday morning. The bus will leave at 8.30. We'll also be going to a gospel meeting at North Rienzi Church of Christ uh, that night as well, and the bus will leave at 6.30. Also, uh, there's a couple of sign-up sheets in the back for our Golden Circle. Uh, we're going to Joe Wheeler State Park Marina for an hour and a half boat tour of Wheeler Lake uh, a week from tomorrow on September the 29th. And the cost is $20 per person for the tour. And we'll eat lunch at Newburn's Restaurant in Florence uh, on the way back after we take the tour. And uh, please sign that list if you plan to go. We have a limit of 24 that can go. So uh, be sure we've got some, plenty of room left right now, so sign the list. Same is also true with a service and entertainment trip to Nashville, scheduled for the end of October, the 27th through the 29th. Uh, we'll be working at Church of Christ Disaster Relief Warehouse, and uh, if you would like to go on that, please sign the list as well. There's going to be a 100th birthday celebration for our sister Eugenia Kaiser, on uh, Sunday, October the 2nd from 2 to 4 in the Annex. And also there's a, a gift table in the foyer for the newest Brumbley Bundle of Joy. Uh, this table will be there this coming Sunday. Uh, gift cards and diapers and wipes and so forth are recommended. I believe that's all the announcements that I have tonight. Uh, Turner Foster is going to be leading our singing. And Brother Merle Crow will dismiss us in prayer. And remember, after the closing prayer, uh, we'll have one verse of a song that will allow our teachers to go to their classes first. Good evening. The invitation song tonight will be 940, Only a Step. The song before the invitation is 535, The Glory Land Way. I'm in the way of
to underestimate the tremendous power of your influence. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, my grandkids, when I take them for a walk on a bright, sunny day, their shadows are very visible either on one side of the road or the other. And my children have kind of got upset with me because I've taught my grandkids to talk to their shadow. You know, say hello to your shadow and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, people are crazy enough in this world, and now I've got grandchildren that are talking to their shadows. But uh, shadows are very interesting. Uh, and I think your influence in life is very much like a shadow. A shadow may not always fall where you want it to fall, and therefore you need to be especially careful that wherever it falls, it might have a good effect upon all others. You may not be able to control the, the shadow itself, but you can control the one that cast the shadow. And so my challenge to you tonight is to make your influence count for God. Whether it's at school as a young person tomorrow or whether it's on your job, whether you are at Walmart doing some grocery shopping, wherever you may be, whatever you're doing, you need to realize that people are watching you. They're observing you. And you are an ambassador for Christ. You are a representative of the Lord's church, and your influence is important. And your influence counts for very much. And others are being influenced by your example even right now. And the question we all need to ask ourselves is, are we leaving a Christ-like image in the places that we go? Do other people know that we're Christians by the way we behave, by our attitude, by the words that we speak, by the way that we dress? You know, Jesus challenges us tremendously with those words of Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, where he talks about the importance of being the salt of the earth. He emphasizes the idea of being the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. And he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so when other people observe your life, when they see you in your everyday activities, are you bringing glory and honor to God by the way that you're living? I hope you'll think about that tonight. It may be tonight that you are outside of Christ. You've never obeyed the gospel. You may need to come tonight and render obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ to begin Letting your light shine as a child of God. You can do that tonight if you in simple, trusting faith will come, repenting of your sins. You can be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins upon the confession of your faith in Him. And so tonight, if you need to respond to heaven's call, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. Hear the sweet voice of Jesus say.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity to come to thy house tonight to worship you. We pray we do it in, uh, in a way that will be pleasing to you and will show our love for you. Ask you now to be with us and may our shadow, uh, Christian shadow of influence be on others that are in need of thy word. And just make sure that our influence is on them and theirs is not on us. And just uh, use every uh, time and uh, place that you can influence someone to uh, accept Christ and to uh, uh, have the influence on them. Ask you now to uh, be with us as we go on to the classes, and we will learn much from these classes, and we'll apply it to our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As the, sorry, we're going to sing one verse of I'll Fly Away as the teachers make their way to class. Some glad morning when it's like
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Okay, I'm going to take him off the list. We're going to pray about him here tonight, okay? Uh, Bobby Petty is Joe Garrett's friend, has lung cancer. Uh, Eric Fitzsimmons, uh, he has some blocked arteries, ongoing treatment for that. Coley Floyd had shoulder surgery back on uh, the 30th. Steve Morgan had open heart surgery. I think he went home, then had to return to the hospital. So hopefully... Hopefully, they're resolving the problems he had. Uh, Doug's dad, Kelby, uh, has, has been in the hospital. Uh, also, Doug, Doug was very sick with COVID. So he's just now kind of getting back and getting his strength back, hopefully. Uh, Cody McGee is recovering from his foot surgery. Renee Page uh, had lung cancer surgery. That's Rick's cousin. She's doing great. Okay, you want me to take her off? <laughs> okay, all right. Hey, there's no, no, no one's under obligation to come off this list. Uh, Vanessa Williams is a member at Snowdown. She has leukemia. Uh, my daughter has been undergoing tests. She has two lymph nodes that are swollen, and they have yet as to determine what exactly is causing that. So she had some blood work done the other day. And we're waiting to hear about that. Anita's mother, Ruth Staley, is still in the hospital. And, I mean, Anita talks to her every day, talks to the nurse, talks to the doctor. But they, as yet, I really don't have anything concrete to share other than she's still in the hospital undergoing some tests. So I'll not comment about the hospital or the people that we're talking to, just that we don't know much yet. Matt McVeigh is Sue Mason's great nephew. Um, he, at work, he had his foot crushed and has had to have some pretty extensive surgery on that. And Sue's not feeling well. She's not felt well for weeks. Uh, yeah, she's, she's really sick and you know, you go get your doctor's appointment like people encourage you to, so she has to wait two weeks for that. I just, whatever. A lot of, a lot of people sick, needing doctors, I guess. Ann Langford is uh, Lisa's friend. She, we've prayed for her in the past. She's developed some more health problems. It's probably going to be an ongoing situation, so just please remember Ann in your prayers. And also got this from Andrea Barrett. Uh, the closed closet is going to be having a giveaway day on Saturday, October the 1st from 9 until 1. 
It's going to be outside underneath the awning over there. Sonia and Andrea are going to be contacting school counselors and other people that work in the community and social programs. Um, we're also going to uh, have it put on the church marquee out here. And, of course, our goal is to point people to Jesus. Isn't, isn't that wonderful? I think that's just terrific. There are all kinds of, kinds of things we can do that benefit our community and also potentially um, spread, spread the word and benefit. Yes. Okay, uh, over at Tractor Supply, same day. What is it they're having exactly? A farmer's market. Okay, well, our very own Marilyn Martin's going to be over there handing out some of our material. Wouldn't it be great for us to just kind of use that day to mingle around some of these great things that are happening? And just a whole crowd of us hanging out that stuff like, this is where it's happening, folks. Wow. I don't know. Seems good to me. So... Here's some things we can be doing, very simple. And there's, uh, stu you still got some of those um, business cards back there? Okay, she's out of the SOS bags, but she's got these uh, business cards. It's got the information about the church on one side and the plan of salvation on the other. You can just take that to the restaurant, leave it on the table. The person serving you, pick that up. That, they may not take it, they may drop it. Somebody else pick it up. I don't know. If you had thousands of those in circulation, you just, you don't know. So here are, here are some opportunities for things. Anybody else need to be on this list? Yes. Chopper. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, so Chopper is dealing with sciatica. And um, someone's like, whoa, no, what is that? But that's, that's where your sciatic nerve gets pinched somewhere along the way. And I am telling you, it is the most excruciating pain that you cannot get rid of. And so that is a 24-hour, every day, all the time kind of problem. I believe it. Um, I'm not going to tell you my experience with it right now, but it, it, it will cause you to do all kinds of things to get relief. Okay, so that's serious. Yes, sir. We'd like to pray, uh, have a prayer for safe trip, everybody. 
Yes, sir. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I hope, I hope it makes you more comfortable. Okay, we're going to pray about these folks, and then we're going to begin our study together. Father, thank you so much for a beautiful day, and thank you for the many blessings that we all are aware of that happened today. And Lord, if, if for some reason we end this day in despair and frustration, I, I pray, Lord, that you'll maybe just in this moment remind us to count our blessings, be grateful for what we have. And if, if nothing else, here we are together with people who love us and in a safe environment. And if nothing else, we're grateful for that. And we have sufficient health to be here and to participate in these things. Thank you. We pray, Father, for those who are not so favored physically, and we're praying your blessings on them. We pray that you'll be with Irene Baker and her family as she is facing terminal cancer. Bless Martha Eaton in, in her full recovery, if we'll grant that. We pray for Austin Wentz that he'll have the strength to endure these treatments he's undergoing. Bless Ann Stevens and Don Dawson that their health will get better. Be with Kim Fowler that her foot's going to recover beautifully and that she'll not have any lingering um, consequences from her injury. Bless Sue James, who's really struggling right now. You know her condition. Bless Quitman as he's away from us over there at, at Landmark. We pray for the Davis family who has had so much uncertainty for all these many long days and months, and we just pray for some closure. We pray for Carolyn and Catherine as they recover. Bless Melinda Hester that her injuries will heal. Bless Charlotte Moore's grandson, Baylor. Um, we're thankful that he's doing so much better and has been released from the doctor's care, but we just pray that his injuries will not have long-term consequences. Bless Bobby Petty in his battle with cancer. Bless Eric Fitzsimmons that he can find relief be with Coley Floyd that his shoulder will heal properly as expected. Bless Steve Morgan in his recovery from his heart surgery. We pray for Kelby Smith that his health would get better. Bless Cody McGee as he recovers with his foot surgery. Pray for Renee Page and pray that um, she'll have full recovery from her surgery. Bless Vanessa Williams in her battle with leukemia. Pray your blessings on Casey as she undergoes treatment and examination. And same for Ruth. We just pray that whatever is the problem can be rectified somehow. We pray for Sue Mason's nephew, Matt McVeigh, and his recovery from his injuries. And we also pray for Sue that maybe the medicine she's on is going to help arrest her problem and as she sees the doctor in a couple of weeks, we pray that, that she can have some definitive answers. We pray for Lisa's friend, Anne, who's been sick and now remains sick. And we're just praying, Lord, that her health would get better. And whatever treatment is warranted, we pray she can receive it and endure it and get better. We pray for Chopper Taylor, who's been suffering with problems with sciatica. You know, he is suffering. We just 
we pray that he'll find some relief. And also, for the Taylor's youngest daughter, uh, we pray that whatever's causing uh, her problems, uh, maybe also a pinched nerve, we, we pray that that can also be discovered and treated and that full function can be restored to her body. We pray for Luther as he is undergoing a procedure to rid his body of some of these devices that he's been carrying around with him for a long time. And we pray that that's going to give him uh, some comfort. And we pray that you'll keep them safe as they travel to have that done. And Lord, just these events that are going on, uh, simple things, caring for our community. I pray, Lord, that every, everything we try to do that is designed to glorify you, I pray that you will give us great results that through those activities you will be glorified and that your church will shine in this community that just like Doug said a moment ago that we can be a, a light, a city sitting on a hill. Help us to be a great influence here. And when these opportunities come that, that only just involve our showing up, I, I pray we'll do it at least for a time to be supportive of our members who take such initiatives as this. Bless us now, Lord, as we are studying your word together. I pray that this study will be of uh, benefit to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there are actually, yes, Randy. Brant, we are having technical difficulties. Our technical team is working on it. Yes, 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 yes. That's wonderful. So, hey, Brant, let's see if we can keep it that way because they're hearing this stuff three times. So that is, wow. However you did that, that's amazing. Okay, we're going to try and get on that, Randy. And thank, thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, um, two, two of these events is going to take place here in Acts chapter 8. So we'll be here for a little while. One of them is the lesser known but hugely important story of the gospel going to Samaria. And then we're going to see that pretty famous story about the Ethiopian eunuch. All right here in this story. Now, Hollywood... He is like, look, I'll, I'll read if you want me to, but if anyone else would like to read and hold the microphone and all, he is more than willing to give it up and let you have your shot at the fame that he has received. So if you would like to take the microphone from Rick, I'm sorry, Hollywood, and uh, read for us tonight, that would be fine. If you just raise your hand, he'll identify you and Maybe he'll, he'll share that with you. Okay, so Acts chapter 8, um, this particular account, we're going to be looking at verses 4 to 13 together. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Okay, so oppression has come, persecution into Jerusalem, but instead of closing up shop or, you know, putting up the putting up the protective barriers, locking the doors, hiding, 
they go and do really what God had designed for them to do all along. And that is what? They, they went, they went everywhere, but they didn't go everywhere scared or their tail between their legs as a dog who is scared would do and running away and hide. They took that initiative, that, that opportunity. Wait a minute, Ken, it was persecution. That's bad. Stop. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. This is all going to ultimately result in the gospel going to the whole world. I mean, that, this is the first step toward going to the whole world. And so we say, yes. And I, you know, I'm sorry. I, I don't like to see anybody suffer, but this is God's agenda. And here's the plan. We're going to go into all the world. And hey, you can't stay in Jerusalem forever. So if you need a little nudge, whatever it takes. So here they go and they take the initiative that as they go, they're going to preach the word. Then Philip, and I want to stop right there for a second. Philip, and get out my little notepad here. Okay, so Philip, you might, I, I would, as I'm reading through a text, I begin to ask, who are these people? Because unlike the way we address one another, we have a first name and a last name. Uh, generally speaking, in the scriptures, you just are on a one-name basis with everybody. So I would initially be asking, okay, persecution has come and things are spreading about. Now I have this Philip who is kind of emphasized. We're going to zero in on what it was he was doing as he was being dispersed out into the world. Philip. Now, the first time that I read about a Philip in, in the book of Acts is Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. Would you read that for us if you still have the microphone? You still have it? Okay. Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. Yes. It's not working. So you aren't hearing it three times, are you? Solved. <laughs> no. All right, I'm going to do it. Okay. And when they were coming, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James. Who are these people? The apostles, the 11 who are left. And then we're going to add to this group, Matthias, here a little bit later. You know that story, but right there in the midst of all those names, oh, there's a Philip. We've got a Philip right here in the book of Acts. And he's one of the apostles. Oh, that makes sense as they're flushed out of Jerusalem that he would go into Samaria. Oh, how wonderful. Except what does chapter eight, where we are, look at chapter eight and verse one. What did that say about this dispersion that was taking place? Yes. Oh, whoa, what'd you say? So we got a Philip who is an apostle in chapter one, verse 13. We think, oh, that, that would make sense. Take the, the apostles, they were commissioned to take the gospel to the whole world and here's an opportunity. However, as yet, the apostles are still where? They're still in Jerusalem. Those guys had not left. So we then ask, well, who else could this be? And then do you remember chapter six? 
<laughs> okay. In chapter 6, verse 5, there's another list of people who are pretty prominent in this story in the book of Acts. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Porteous, and Nic Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Okay, I could have stopped when you said Philip, but I wanted to hear you say all those fancy <laughs> names right there. <laughs> Get you a little vocal exercise. Okay, so there is a Philip who actually is commissioned with a responsibility, right? This is a guy who's, who's known uh, for his spirituality and ultimately the, the very next verse also reveals that this group of men have what happened to them? Okay, the apostles laid hands on them. As a result of the apostles laying hands on people, what happened to them? They were able to do miracles. So here we have a Philip who is going to be a great evangelist. And this is just one of the many places that he would stop on his way to Caesarea, where we will see him a little bit later. But here's a guy who also has been empowered by the Holy Spirit through the laying on of the apostles' hands to be able to work miracles. To... Okay, yeah, Lord willing, we'll, we'll get around to some of that. Yes, but uh, yeah, his, his daughters uh, are prophesied, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, so Philip... He goes down to the city of Samaria. That important? We already noticed that. Very important. This next step. And he preached Christ to them. Okay, isn't that what Jesus had commanded them to do? That's what we expect. They preached Christ to them. The multitudes with one accord, hearing the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Do you have to be an apostle to work miracles? No, you do not. If the apostles do what? Lay hands on you. Acts chapter 6, verse 6, right? And so hearing and seeing, they, they responded. In other words, they, they hear what he says, and then he is backing up what he says by the miracles that he does. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed. The lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Why is there joy in this city of Samaria? The miracles are coming, but also, uh, along the miracles, they're preaching Christ. If you hear the message of Jesus Christ, is that hopeful or is that filled with despair? And No, it's hopeful, isn't it? Okay. But there was a certain man named Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Okay, so here comes Philip working miracles. What had this Simon proposed that he could do? Work, he, he's also like that, you know, he's, he's a magician, he's amazing. The great, you know, the great Simon or whatever. So they all had given heed to him from the least to the greatest saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached, okay, now get this again. He isn't just making a show. His show is, his show, 
the working of the miracles is incidental to what he's actually doing to impress these people. He is preaching to them Jesus, yes? And then as he preaches about Jesus, he is demonstrating the support of God as a result of the miracles that he could do. It reminds me of the frustration that Jesus had when he would go places, he's working miracles, and then people would just start following him because he's working miracles. And Jesus was like, I just, I just wish that I didn't have to do these miracles. I could just come in here and preach and you'd respond to that. But that isn't how you are. You, you, want, you want me to feed you. You know, you want me to... You ever heard of a dog and pony show? I just want you to perform for me, right? Well, Philip has come in very different from Simon. Simon doesn't have a message to preach. He's there to make money off of the amazing things that he purports to do. Here comes Philip, incidental to the message, and is doing the miracles in support of what he's preaching. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things, and here's what he preached, concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Well, stop right there. What's the significance you've already learned about the name of Jesus Christ? Things that are being told related to the name of Jesus Christ. Be baptized in the name of, you remember that discussion? His authority, right? So if you hear, if you hear that we're going to be talking about things related to the name of Jesus Christ, His authority, what are you assuming the message is? And especially concerning the kingdom of God. How do you get into the kingdom of God? Does that have anything to do with the authority of Jesus Christ? Things being done by his name? According to his, yeah, absolutely. It's the gospel. It's, the, it's going to be the power of the gospel. So they believe what Philip is preaching concerning the things related to the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. Question, why were they baptized? What had they learned already? They'd learned the gospel, okay? We already have the clues of that, Right? What he was preaching was on the authority of Jesus Christ. What had Jesus told them to do according to his authority? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. So you go by my authority and you preach the gospel. Is that what Philip is doing? Absolutely he is. I mean, it's to the T. He preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, the authority of Jesus. Both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself, who is Simon now? Remember, the great power of God has now humbled himself in obedience to the gospel. Pardon? Yeah. yeah we're going to, yeah. He, uh, he recognizes this is legit, right? I'm a fraud. This is, this is legitimate. So they believed Philip. They preached things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ. Men and women were baptized. Simon himself also believed. So he be does he believe the message or not? Yes or no? Is he a legitimate disciple of Jesus Christ? What does this text say? If he had not believed, this text would say something like, well, Simon tried to deceive Philip by saying he believed. No, this, this is just a commentary about what has happened. Simon himself 
also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Okay, we're going to stop here because that is the story of the conversion that takes place. What you're going to discover is that Simon, in amazement over what has happened, wants to buy the ability to work the miracles. Well, first of all, what's the problem with that? First of all, you can't buy it. But secondly, is he dealing with someone who could sell it to him? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, of course, we have, you read the text, we're going to have apostles sent here. Well, what can Peter and John do about it? Well, Simon's trying to buy the ability that the apostles have to lay hands and give people these abilities. So Philip can't satisfy it. Peter can because I see him doing it right now. He's laying hands on these people. Chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. And look, wow, they can work miracles. If I could have that, oh, I'd be a great Christian, but I'd also be able to pick up where I left off with my sorcery. Yay! It's a win-win. What's the problem with that? It's not for sale, and it isn't God's desire. In fact, what is, what is prominent in these events? Is it the working of the miracles? That's not the prominent thing. The prominent thing is the preaching of the gospel. Simon, shame on you. Okay. Now here's the story of the... Ethiopian unit. You skip down a few verses. We're going to go from verse 26 to 39. That will cover the conversion story. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Okay. Desert. <laughs> I always thought that was interesting. In my mind, originally I was thinking about, you know, the Sahara Desert or something. Actually, that word desert there means it's uninhabited. Does that look like uninhabited? Can you make that out? Or, <laughs> you'll take my word for it. Okay, or a deserted place. Not all the people around, right? It's secluded, in other words. So we're going out to this place. No, nobody's around. I, I find it interesting. Okay, so... Philip is instructed by the Spirit to go to the Ethiopian eunuch. Let me ask this question. Kind of obvious to me. Why didn't the Spirit just do this? Instead of having to work Philip like this, I mean, he's got his hands full, right? He, he is an evangelist. And all. However, I mean, if the Spirit is involved in this conversion, why didn't the Spirit just go over there and do that? Just go, you know, how so many today talk about how the Holy Spirit is speaking to them and coming down on them and converting them right on the spot. Boom, the Holy Spirit hit them, and now they're Christians. Why didn't that happen right here? Uh, okay, uh, absolutely right. Uh, he, 
he is referencing 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in which the gospel is carried in what? It's, it's carried in earthen vessels. In other words, if you're going to hear the gospel, you're going to hear it from another human being. Um, have you ever read, uh, this would be, Ro you ready? Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 17 real quick. Now, verse 13 is going to remind us that this is in response to a call of God. You're going to respond to the call. But notice how the call is issued. For whosoever, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and br bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. You know, okay, you and I have the responsibility, right, to carry the gospel, to, to take the gospel to people. When you have done that, that you have done your responsibility. Are you responsible for somebody else obeying the gospel? You are not. You could have Bible studies with 100 people and not one of them responds to it. Whose fault is that? Is that your fault? That's not your fault. But it is somebody's fault. It's the fault of the person who has heard the word, but what? Refuse to accept it. Refuse to accept it. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved, but... They can't call on him unless first they hear the word and then they believe in the word. And how in the world did they ever even get it to start with? Well, it came through an earthen vessel. Somebody taught that word to them. Jesus commissioned the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to make disciples in their response to that gospel message that was preached. When we went to Samaria, the gospel was preached. A lot of those people heard it. They believed it. Even Simon the sorcerer heard it and obeyed and was baptized. He was saved. He entered the kingdom of God, just as has happened in every case thus far. But keep in mind, here, here is the Spirit saying to Philip, Philip, you, you preacher, you guy with the pretty feet there, you carry that gospel over there to that man in that chariot. Okay? Well, what's Philip's expectation? I don't know. But here's what I do know that Philip did. When he was given that commission to go, he what? He went. So the Spirit spoke to Philip. He did not speak to not the eunuch. Not the eunuch. Because the gospel is carried by people. And he taught Jesus to him. Okay, that's the other thing. If, if I go as an emissary or a responsible person carrying the gospel somewhere, I better set my mind to do what? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. N not just, uh, you know, hey, I want to share some good words from the Bible. This is, I want to teach you about your situation. You know, I hear sometimes people say, you know, come as you are, God will accept you wherever you are. That, that is not true. Because if you're in sin, God is not accepting of that. 
The whole, the whole point of the gospel is you're in sin separated from God and you need the blood of Jesus to wash that sin away so you can be in fellowship with God. That is, that is an emergency situation. We should never waste an opportunity on anything save the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If, if we're doing something else for they're just entertaining people with Bible messages, hey, Save that for the children's classes down the hall. We've got a world that's in sin that needs to hear that Jesus died for them and his blood can wash their sins away. Philip didn't go for his social call. Hey, I'm going to kind of warm up to this guy. Don't even know him. Didn't make any difference. The Spirit had sent Philip for the express purpose of preaching the gospel to him. That was it. That is all that Philip's job was. Look at John here you are again, you're back up. John chapter 6, verses 44 and 45. What does that text say? Now this is Jesus' commentary. John 6, 44, 45. No man can come to me except the, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. And it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Okay. What's God's desire to happen? Why is this guy going over here? In fact, think about this scenario. We find out that this Ethiopian eunuch has been to Jerusalem, and he has bought a scroll of Isaiah. Is he set for the word of God? Is he ready for God to bring salvation? Yeah. He doesn't, again, he doesn't send a heart that is ready to respond. He doesn't send the spirit to go convert him or to spirit baptize him on that chariot. He sends Philip to go preach to him, to tell him the story. Because faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how faith develops. We don't get the cart before the horse. The spirit couldn't come, develop faith in that guy, and then spirit baptize him or whatever. This guy had to first learn the truth. That's the whole business of carrying the gospel. Okay, so he is going to be, we'll see this in a second, but I want to set this up because we're running out of time. In Isaiah chapter 50, he's going to be reading from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. And we'll read that in the text. But what I want you to do before, before we read that is set the stage. He has the scroll of Isaiah. Ask yourself this question. Why, why does he have that? Well, emphasis point here, he's an Ethiopian eunuch. Eunuch. Read for us Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 through 5. And tell me something about this gospel message that he's about to hear that is going to change everything for this eunuch. Isaiah 56, 3, 4, and 5. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than the sons of 
sons and daughters and of daughters, and I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Okay, now this, this is important. Tell me something about what a eunuch could not do in Judaism. Could not go in, could not approach the temple because he was not a whole person physically. He was, he was, had been emasculated. He cannot step foot in that place. Therefore, he can't go in there and worship God. He is estranged from God. So far as Judaism was concerned, he has no place here. But what did Isaiah say would eventually happen when the Messiah comes? Among others, he specifically mentions that the eunuch would be able to do what? Become a part of the family of God. So this guy has these scroll. I, I can imagine this guy is reading here in Isaiah chapters 50s. And he's just soaking this up like, man, when is that day going to come? This is, is that serious? What is he talking about? What? And so here he is. He's, he's reading and reading and reading on this journey that he's on. And he's come to Isaiah 53. And he's reading about the, the suffering servant. Okay? Now the angel of the Lord, he sent him there. The Spirit says to Philip in verse 29, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? Is that just classic Romans 10? You've got to have somebody do that. He said, Who can except someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up, sit with him. The place of scripture where he read was this. This is verses 7 and 8 of, of 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before his ears is silent, so he opened his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. Wait a minute. So he's, who's he talking about? It sounds very similar to what I just hold on to. Here is somebody who's been kicked out. Here's somebody who can't approach God, who's been separated for some reason. Can you tell me something about him? He says, oh, can I tell you something about him? The eunuch answered Philip, and, and he says, well, I, I'm wondering, you know, who's he talking about? Talking about himself or some other man? Is he like me? Philip opened his mouth at the beginning of the scripture. He preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said to him, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Stop right there for a second. I have a, I have a big question for you. Okay, so he's talking Jesus, which makes sense. Who is it that is going to make it possible for the eunuch or anybody else who has been an outcast up until now to be able to become a partaker of the kingdom of God? Who's going to be able to do that? Jesus is. So he preaches Jesus to him. And then all of a sudden, as he has been preaching Jesus to him, just kind of out of the blue like, the eunuch said, well, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Let me ask you this question. How is it that he went from a discussion about Jesus to a discussion about water? Was he distracted? Is that what happened? We're just riding along and he's talking about Jesus. Like, oh, 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 look at there. There's some water. What would hinder me to be... What's, how did that happen? 
How do you go from talking about Jesus and the kingdom of God and the acceptance of people who otherwise had been separated and had no chance with God? How do you get from that discussion to, well, here's some water. What would keep me from being baptized? When you talk about Jesus and the kingdom of God, you very naturally, and in the case of Philip, under obligation as an evangelist. I mean, this is my purpose. You, you can't help but talk about baptism because how is it that you even get into Christ? You get into the kingdom of God. How does that happen? It only happens through belief that Jesus is the Son of God, repentance of those sins, your confession of that. That's the belief aspect and then that belief leading you to an action, and that is baptism. Somewhere along that discussion, Philip had introduced to him the means by which he could become a part of this kingdom, become one of those who's the fulfillment of the prophecy that he's reading there in Isaiah. And when he saw water, what did he immediately think? Whoa! Here it is. I could be baptized right now. What would stop that? Well, actually, that's the beautiful thing about this story because it doesn't end there. What hinders me? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, and here's the great confession, isn't it? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the unit went down into the water and he baptized him. Okay, I've heard some crazy things about baptism itself who want to get away from immersion. They said, well, you know, now on these long journeys, probably that eunuch had him a jug of water right there and maybe Philip took that jug of water and just used it to baptize him. What's the problem with that? According to the details that you find right here in this text. It says they both went down into the water and he baptized him, right? That would have been an awfully big pitcher of water, don't you think? yes. No, he sees water out there and he says, here's the water, what would keep this from happening? He says, the only thing is the demonstration of your faith. You believe it, I believe it. And so he baptized him. It says they both went down to the water in verse 39. Now when they came up out of the water, any question about what happened here? They went down in it and they came back up out of it. The Spirit of the Lord called Philip away. He had more work to do. So that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Question, and then we'll be finished. Why is he rejoicing? He's learned about Jesus, he's had his sins forgiven, and now, where is he? He's not rejected, he's in Christ. Isn't that a beautiful story? Let's have a prayer, and then we will open the doors, and then you're on your own, all those children. Father, thank you for the blessing of your word. And thank you for the stories of the past that can instruct us. Thank you for your plan to save us, all of us, no matter our circumstances. We can have our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you'll motivate us this way. Not, not just that we benefit from it, but that we have in our hands the power to see people saved for eternity. I pray you'll motivate us to be like Philip eager to share that message. And thank you for those who step out and take that cause and run with it. 
Bless us with a good evening, Lord. And if it's your will, give us a new day that we can exercise our faith in extraordinary ways. In Jesus' name, amen.